you know, Andrew, since we last did our last podcast together, a lot's happened in the world. Uh, there's been a global pandemic. Everything's being shut down. And one of the things the authorities have said is that we need to practice social distancing and we need to only travel when absolutely necessary. And when you weren't on the last podcast, people started to get concerned. They started to get worried. So what, what have you been doing the last few days? Uh, well, I got on a ship and went from Melbourne to, to Sydney on a two-day cruise. And then once I got to Sydney, wandered around the CBD and then took a train to Melbourne Airport, then got on a, oh, sorry, Sydney Airport, then got on a plane and flew back to Melbourne. What the fuck? Mate, I wanted to, I want to see what this what this uh, coronavirus thing's all about. You know, you know you got uh, Keith Richards out there, and he's well known for having tried every drug out there possible. Mm-hmm. I'm the flip side of that. I've tried every disease there is possible. This is the last one, so I wanted to give this thing a crack, and it couldn't get me. God's petri dish. That's me, man. That's me. You know me. Last year, everybody illness under the sun. I was ill every second episode. I can't even get coronavirus. I tried everything to try and get it. I went on a cruise ship. I went on a plane. I went to Sydney. We went on trains. Can't get it. Well, I think it's all hype. I, I'm glad you haven't got it so far. <laughs> Let's start this fucking podcast, eh? Sounds good. All right. Hello and welcome to episode 142 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewLP. Joining me as always is the resplendent League Freak. You can find on Twitter at League Freak. How you going, mate? I'm going really well. I'm uh, <clears throat> I'm bunkered down. I'm, okay. I'm not sick, but I'm bunkered down. How many rolls of toilet paper have you got? I should have counted it up. Hey, we were talking about it before. Let me think. Uh, man, I don't know how much you're in those big packets. I would say I have one giant packet and then like... Uh, I think four smaller packets. So it's not over the top. It's not stupid, but I am stocked up. I've got 10 rolls. Oh, you're fucked. Do you, don't you realize that toilet paper is going to be the new currency? Yeah, well, I'm just not using them. <laughs> I don't I'm going to sit there and leave them there. I just, yeah. every, every day I go and get the Herald Sun. Yeah. That's my toilet paper. See, I can't, would uh, can't get would, the Daily Telegraph down here. So the Herald Sun's the next closest thing. I wouldn't even wipe my ass with the Daily Telegraph. I eh? well, I, I like to improve things that I that I come across in the media. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, so pretty much. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. So, um, the other I, day, I, I was going to say, I, I wanted to I wanted to celebrate a little feat today. Okay, yeah. Because I went to the shop to specifically buy something mm-hmm. and eventually managed to do exactly that. How many shops did you have to go to, though, to, to get what you needed? About five. Fuck. That's crazy. Um, so I've got a message out there for all of those um, doomsayers and whatever else, these idiots who want to stockpile insane numbers of toilet paper and foods and stuff like that because they think they might get quarantined for 14 days. Um, I hate you cunts. Seriously. 
seriously fucking hate it because today i'm you know we've come back from trying to get coronavirus and i needed to get a loaf of bread two liters of milk it's a breakfast cereal if i was lucky i was going to try and just get like a 500 gram thing of mince so i can make some spaghetti bolognese i've got pasta already and i've got the sauce i just need some mince four pretty easy staple things that you know should be able to get easily enough yeah, I had, yeah. To to, I had to go to four different places to get the milk. Took me four or five different attempts just to get the loaf of bread. Um, the mints had to go to a completely different place to get that. That took four or five attempts. The cereal, I got the last two boxes and had to get a, get them from a servo. And every time I'm walking around going, I fucking hate people. But what have you yeah. done? When I was at the butcher today, this is <clears throat> going to be a little happy story. It was about me being pissed off. Mm-hmm. Went to the butcher and was, I had like this big thing of mince. It's the last tray they've got. It's probably got about six kilos of mince in there. And I said, can I just have half a kilo of mince, please? And the the lady serving me has just been an autopilot. She's been dealing, dealing with this shit all day. She just automatically grabs like this massive handful of about two kilos. She's mm-hmm. chucking it in the bag. And I said, no, no, just half a kilo. She's going, oh, sorry. I said, yeah, yeah, see, I only want enough to get me by for tonight. And hopefully someone else can have a feed out of what I don't take out of that two kilos. Because there's a whole lot of people standing around me, and I figure maybe they'll get the fucking hint. And then some dumb cunt fucking walks up behind me and says, I'll have two kilos, please. Fuck you, people. Although, you know, I used to do spaghetti bolognese just for myself, and I'd use a kilo of mince. Yeah, but I mean, you're going to eat that over a bloody week or so. (laughs) Yeah, I would eat it in two sittings. That's, That's good enough. Yeah. Look, I I knew there was – I was kind of shocked. I went to a Woolies – and I've talked to you about this. must have been about one and a half to two weeks ago now. And I just wanted to see if the – and at this point, it was just the toilet paper that was going. And I, everything else on the shops – in the shops was fine. There was a lot of the pasta stuff gone, but you could still get some stuff. And then I saw that there was no toilet paper, and I was like, oh, holy shit, this is crazy. And so I uh, ended up going to a little corner store to get my my stock up. And I did that because I I tend to think that this is going to go on for longer than a lot of people expect it to. But I'm, I think that, I think you and me have a different sort of outlook on all this stuff. I think there's a lot of the country boy in you that's just like, oh, fucking people, you know, whereas I'm like, I I tend to look at the very, I think, I think the worst of people. <laughs> yeah, that, that that is, I think that's very true. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's why I get so irritated when people are being inconsiderate in simple things like this. Like if everyone just said, you know what, let's just get double what we normally get. So if we do get quarantined, we know we've got stuff for two weeks. But instead mm-hmm. they go there going, no, I need six months of everything. And we're walking around the shops today. There's no breakfast cereal. There's no pasta. There's no long life milk. There's no normal milk. Um, you know, there's bugger all meat left. Just so much stuff has been swiped off the shelves. No mm-hmm. bread. Like, what are you doing? Like, what happens to one of these people if their beloved neighbour who may be an elderly person gets mm-hmm. coronavirus, can't feed themselves, and they die while they're sitting on, you know, six weeks' worth of food? Look, I don't and understand. No one's, no one's thinking that way, and that's the thing that irritates me about it is, you know, I grew up in these small communities. That's the way you think. You think about everyone else around you. And, you know, you've got to make sure that everything gets shared around. 
And the reason why I'm so angry is because I do have an elderly neighbour mm-hmm. and because this doesn't impact me. This impacts my wife and my daughter. And I take that as a personal attack when someone does something that impacts them, even though they probably don't care. I do. I get the shits over it hard. I want to start cracking skull. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that's the difference between both of our outlooks on this for sure. Like, like I don't have, I don't have a family and stuff to look after. So I can sort of just look after myself I don't have any elderly neighbours or anything. I don't even even have any elderly family members and stuff like that. So I, I literally just have to look after myself. So I'm looking at this from a completely different perspective. And I and I, I said this in the last podcast. I but I understand that I am looking at it from that perspective, and that like someone like you that's got a family has a completely different perspective. And I understand where your anger comes from out of that because like at, at that point you're like fuck the world like you, you kill you for your family you know and these fucking pricks are taking just basic stuff like that your your family needs so i understand your anger in that sense and the thing is i'm not trying to get because see i'm not i'm not panic buying i'm just mm. trying to get enough as i've always got of the normal amount enough to get me through the week you know yeah. Two, maybe three litres of milk, a box of cereal, a loaf of bread, a pack of toilet paper, which will last me two weeks anyway. Because, you know, when I get, when I'm at home full time mm. and I go to the toilet, I don't tend to shit three times as much more when I get the flu. Yeah. I don't know what these people are thinking is going to happen with coronavirus. Well, all of a sudden they think their entire intest, you know, insides is going to come out through their fucking ring hole. <laughs> Have a look at the symptoms, people. It doesn't make you shit through the eye of a needle. It's a flu, for fuck's sake. Why do you need so much toilet paper for? I don't get if, the one and that is, feeling like... Thing. If, if, I've done a, if I've done a shit that's that, 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 that bad, yeah. I was going, fuck it, I'll go have a shower and wash myself. <laughs> so I, I've, I've always said the one thing I'll never run out of is toilet paper, ever, ever, <laughs> ever. And so, but I... Like literally, and I've said how much I've got, and that will last me a long while. I don't know exactly how long, but I'm just looking at it. I'm like, oh yeah, that's plenty. Um, and yeah, like I'm, I basically have set myself up so that I'm not going to leave the house unless I absolutely have to. And but I, but I'm in that position that I can do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know. And I'm 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 healthy. I'm fine. Touch wood, but uh, but yeah, I, I think it's going to get. I think we're all going to get locked down. Hey, I think that everyone around Australia will be locked down to a certain extent, except for certain parts of the community that I'd their like jobs are seen as essential. I'd like to think that I proved that the coronavirus is all hype after what I did in the last few days. Oh my god, I can't believe you would fucking empty fate like that you catch everything yeah except that <laughs> it's supposed to be a pandemic i can't even get the most catchable disease at the moment <laughs> I, oh, went, I went i went on all the things i'm not supposed to mm-hmm. the cruise ship had more than 500 people on it really yeah, it was a big bastard i thought see i thought that you would say that you were a little bit surprised at how quite the the cruise ship was nah mate it was chockers 
Really? Where? Share, sharing a pool with heaps of other people. Yeah. Mate, we did everything. We, we were eating out of a buffet. Wow. Sounds all right, actually. Did everything we could to try and get the thing. What was the airport like? A little more quiet than usual. Okay. And because we had a one-hour delay, it meant that I spent more time at the airport. Mm-hmm. And then fate was doing everything it could to try and get me the coronavirus. <laughs> Didn't work. Well, I really, really hope you don't get it. Um, it tends to be, it sounds like it's really bad if you're over the age of, say, 75, 80, which most things are. But, yeah. you know. Like, like the common cold. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there, there's a few differences with this one, they've said, but I I, I tend to think, I'm, I'm looking at it from the worst-case scenario, and I think it's going to get worse before it gets better, but yeah. I, I don't the, know the, what that's like. The spread like. might, but they, they reckon a maximum of 1% of the population who get it may die. Yeah, and look, I think we're very, very lucky in Australia. We've had... Uh, what what is it? Five fatalities in all of mm. Australia from it, and whereas you look at what's happening in Europe now, Europe's getting Europe is on the verge of getting decimated by it, and uh, we're very lucky that we live so isolated, and that I, I think our government has been well ahead of the curve, and and people are lining us up against where other countries are right now. We're not in the same situation as other countries. And I think we're ahead of the curve in terms of the numbers that we're dealing with that have had it. So I, I'm pretty happy with what the government's done so far. Yeah, I haven't really been paying attention. I've been too busy trying to trying to do whatever I can to catch it. I'm telling you, it's the fucking country in ya. <laughs> I, I swear to God, I swear it is. See, I get last, last year, I sat back and let every virus get me. I thought, this yeah. year, I'm going to do the chasing. <laughs> now you're coming after them. Yeah. Now I'm the virus. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I still I can't shake that uh that Mount Druitt fucking basis that I was brought up with. So like if I I I'm like I swear I'm a week and a half away from fucking putting barbed wire up on the fence and like trying to source a weapon. <laughs> source a weapon. You've got a hammer. And a lightsaber. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Oh, oh don't, why do you think I've been getting these things? <laughs> All you need now is something that's got a projectile in it. Yeah. I've got something. And you that, need something sharp. Yeah. Well, look, I've got something that can shoot, you know, pretty well, actually. Um, but let, I, let, I, let's, let's not talk about the pants okay. department. Okay. Okay. But, um, yeah. I've got I've got lots of melee weapons, I guess. I just I haven't got any projectile weapons. Ah, that'll be the next one. Yeah. I, you know what I need is like a a fucking crossbow or something. Actually, I feel like talking about this is like I feel like we're breaking laws all of a sudden talking about <laughs> that. I don't know why. We're only talking about it. We're not insisting people get crossbows. No nah. crossbow. Um. So you know. I suppose we should get to the point here that there's there has been talk about coronavirus within rugby league, hasn't there? Yeah, we're a rugby league podcast, and uh, we best mention it before we go off track again. Probably. Look, the other day, 
you were you were probably part way cruising up the coast, and I was watching a catastrophic press conference that was led by Peter Volandis, and I'm watching this press conference, and all I can think is like, this is the worst shit this guy could have possibly said, and I can't wait until Andrew hears this. And you haven't seen it yet, but we've no. got it teed up to watch. And we, you're going to watch it the, for the first time, and hopefully it all works. <laughs> That's right. All right. Let's do this. Yeah. We're just getting it all sorted out. There we go. Okay, now I can't hear that. No. No. Let me fix that then. Yeah. And I'm just thinking about our listeners because they'll probably... Otherwise, it's just a lot of dead air. Yeah. It's just... And me going, hmm, hmm. Yeah. The sound of you heavy breathing more and more as he keeps opening his stupid mouth. (laughs) Before. All right. It's certainly one of the greatest. Let's let's go back to the start here. Go on. Let's take it back. Is everybody ready to commence? Firstly, thank you, everyone, for coming this morning. I know it's a Sunday and uh, probably inconvenient, but we thank you because we're in um, an area our game has never um, been in before. It's certainly one of the greatest challenges for us. Stop. Um, We had the Spanish flu in 1917. That killed killed thousands of people in Sydney. I know. I heard I had James Hooper today in a little clip from Fox Sports saying rugby league has never had to deal with a pandemic, and I was like, oh, man. But anyway... (laughs) Anyway, let's continue. I, I digress. I've got a feeling that these three and a half minutes could go for quite a while. It's going to, and I can't wait. I know where the next thing you're going to pause is, <laughs> and it's. It, I'm not even going to spoil it. All right. It's to stay viable uh, in the history of the game. So I just want to start from the outset to say that any decision we make today may change tomorrow. This situation is fluid and is changing by the hour. We'll continue to take the best of expert advice, including what we have done to date, and that is the government and chief medical officers' um, information. And we've always acted on that advice. (laughs) Um, Yeah. How long have they had someone in that area? Because of all the pandemics we've had to deal with in, in Australia. All of a sudden, they've got a a chief health person for the NRL. Yeah, well, from memory, they had scheduled this press conference for four. They didn't actually start it until about five o'clock because it's, you know, it's the NRL. And so I would say they probably had him on board since around about (laughs) 3.30. I've got the feeling that that might be pretty accurate. Uh, All righty. All decisions that we will make will have the safety and the health of our players as the paramount consideration. That also includes our staff and any other person involved in our great game. In this regard, we're leaving every option available to us on the table. That kind of seems like a contradiction. In what way? We're making the decision to protect every single player and staff member we have. Mm. So in order to do what's best for their safety, we're not going to do anything. 
Well, yeah. I mean, I guess if if you really wanted to protect them to the highest degree, you wouldn't play games at all. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm not saying that the competition should be stopped, but I'm just saying you said one thing, and you haven't actually followed that up with the very next sentence. Yeah, it, it gets better. It gets better. Wow, there's only two and a half minutes to go. <laughs> I feel like I'm watching like a Robin Williams comedy special. The punchline's coming, the punchline's coming. <laughs> because it's changing so quickly, we would be silly to go one direction. So we are going to review all options, including isolating players, including uh, suspending the season. In order to have the best expert advice, we have commissioned a biosecurity expert. We've also commissioned a pandemic expert. Holy hell. We need to have the best available information to us to make the best decisions. Yeah, the thing that gets me about Peter Volandis is the only information he seems to take comes from the Daily Telegraph. There's a, there's a point coming up. I don't even know if I should say it. But he gives the Telegraph exactly what they want. I'm not surprised. Because, I mean, they gave him this job. Mm. <laughs> we are going to act in accordance with that advice. In the interim, we will continue round two. At this stage... Um, we will play round two and assess the situation. It gives us that time to consider the biosecurity expert advice, the pandemic advice. It gives us time to consult our players, our staff, and all the, all the other participants in our game. Why not just pause the competition for one week to be completely safe? What's one week going to cost? That's true, right? But I also would love to meet the pandemic expert that during the pandemic says, oh, no, you're fine, keep playing footy. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a, uh, this is just weird. (laughs) (laughs) Carry on. I give a commitment that we will listen and be agile and move in any direction that's necessary to save our game. I can't stress enough that our game has never faced a challenge like this. Bullshit. There's two wars. Three if you count the Vietnam War, I guess. And yeah. that massive bloody flu. Yeah, the Spanish flu. There was that too. There was Super League. Um, you know, that, there was that little thing about the Nazis banning the game in France. That was pretty impressive. Um, there was asbestos at Brookvale last year. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Oh, Jesus Christ. This is ridiculous. The longer it takes the more pressure on our financial viability. It could have catastrophic effects on us moving forward. Our money will only last so long, and once it's extinguished, we are in big trouble. Wow, this bloke's an economics genius. But seriously, like, this is a time when the game needed just a a level head. It it needed a plan. It needed the level-headed response. And he comes out... And he basically says, when the money runs out, we're fucked. Yeah. Um, now, I'm, before we go back to this, I've had a, yeah. a few discussions with people because there's been talk saying that the coronavirus could cripple the NRL. Mm. And I've kind of downplayed it a bit because I thought, 
how often have we heard all of these Sydney clubs with these small suburban grounds? You know, you've got Cogra, Shark Park, Leichhardt, you know, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time you hear that they need to get a minimum crowd of 12, 13, 14,000, something like that, to break even. Mm-hmm. And many times they just break even or they fall behind. Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder, given that this bloke is pushing for so many games to be played at these suburban venues, how much money he thinks they're going to lose. Because people are saying that, oh, you know, there won't be the sponsorship money. Why won't there be? The sponsors still get to put their signs all around the ground and still have their ads on TV and the game still gets played and they still get the same exposure, if not more so because there's less people at the game. They're all at home watching on TV. I don't see how the sponsors are going to be impacted. I don't see how the TV rights are going to be impacted if they decide to play the whole season. So those two massive revenue streams, uh, they have zero impact. All we're looking at is the loss of revenue coming from gate sales. Mm-hmm. And gate takings is not something that the rugby league has lent on that heavily in the last 20, 30 years compared to what they did in the past when it was the main source of income. Main source of income now is TV rights deals and sponsorship money. You know, that gate takings is just, that's just cherries on top, really, in my opinion. Yeah, look, I talk to, I've talked to a bunch of people about this that are in the know about uh, where the revenue streams that a team makes during game day. And the I, the figure that I have heard, it, it's over, <clears throat> it's over two hundred thousand dollars in terms of per game that some teams will lose, which is not insignificant. That sounds um, excessive. Well, it, I but, can't believe it's that high. Well, the thing you got to remember is they're missing that the first thing they're missing is the the people that walk through the gate and buy buy the tickets, right? Mm-hmm. And then you've got the corporate areas, which is a big, big money spin of clubs. Um, and then, you, like, there's just other little bits and pieces here and there that all comes together for that money on game day. For the Anzac Day clash, it's 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 around eight hundred thousand dollars that is expected to be made out of that one game because of how much the corporate area makes for it and then the walk-up crowd even. But then you've also got the issue with um, season ticket holders who every game that they're locked out of, they're going to want at least that game, that money's back for that game. And if these clubs have to pay back the millions of dollars to season ticket holders, that's going to be a bit of an issue for them as well. Season so, ticket I, I can get because mm. that's just pure profit for them. Mm-hmm. I can get that. Um, and I suspect they're going to have to pay out huge chunks of that, at least at least seventy five percent of it, if the season gets cancelled, minimum. Mm. That will hurt. Yeah, but I don't know. I I think if if someone wants to buy merchandise, they're still going to buy it whether they're at the game or not. And so I'm not too sure that I don't know. I I don't think that. The gate takings is, is generating that huge amount. I, I mean, I, I must admit, I hadn't thought of the, the corporate one. Mm-hmm. Um, that would obviously be a fair bit of a fair bit of money. Mm-hmm. Two hundred grand a game. I don't know. 
Uh, well, that's that, that's just to me that every five games they make a million bucks. So it's over the course of the season they're making two and a half million dollars a year just on gate takings. Yeah, but you got to keep in mind they've also then got costs for playing those games there. That's, so they've that's got right. That, and that's yeah. what I come back to is the fact that those costs eats a big chunk out of that that money they make. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm not convinced that they a, a team would be making two hundred grand a day. I, I would have thought it would have been at best half that, but that's just me, I guess. Yeah, I, look, I think the corporate stuff makes, I think it makes a, a big, big chunk of what a, a team makes, even lower drawing teams on in a game day, and I think that that's the area that that boosts that number up so high. Yeah, it must um, be. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it, we, how long have we got left on this one? About a minute. Still got a minute to go. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm blown away by his economic nous, though. <laughs> uh, if we run out of money, we'll be in big, big trouble. Yeah. Do you think they're going to run out of money? I, I've, I think got a, a, I've got I a think... lot to say about the money side of it, hey? All right, we'll get to that. I think if the game got to a point where they were looking at a situation where they may lose all of their money, they would just say, you know what, let's just cancel the season and start again next year and, and minimise our our loss. Mm. That would be the common sense thing to do. Anyway, we'll continue on. Okay. And I'll leave you with this. An Australia without rugby league is not Australia. <laughs> the government has to assist us in this crisis because it's not of our own doing. Um, rugby league has been a fabric of our society for hundreds of years. Okay. Hundreds of years, Andrew. <laughs> I love First rugby league. Rugby yeah. league's a great sport. You love you <laughs> love rugby league? I love rugby league. <laughs> rugby league? It's been around for hundreds of years. The, rugby league? This is not our fault. The government needs to pay us. It's not the government's fault. Uh, yeah, and by the way, this is as the fucking pandemic is winding up. He's sitting there while they're talking about we don't know if we'll end up with enough hospital beds, and they're fucking triaging people in Italy, working out that they can't really treat old people because they're probably going to die. And the NRL sitting there putting their fucking hand out for money already. Unbelievable. I thought it was fucking gross. That is no. I'm with you. That is fucking sick. Mm. That's deplorable. Mm. That is simply deplorable. No way should he have. I can't believe he had the nerve to do that. Yeah, I I can't either. I was. It it, it was. I I can't think of another way to describe it other than gross. You know. I and this is while you're hoping the NRL comes out and says. Oh look, we've got a plan in place. This is going to be really difficult, but we're going to get through this as we've got through everything else. And th- you know, Rob League wants some money. Oh, God. Oh, there's forty seconds to go. It's people's escape. It's people's relaxation, and we need to do everything in order to continue that great uh, tradition of rugby league. I also take the opportunity to thank the New Zealand Warriors who have agreed to stay for this week while we assess all our options. 
Um, they've been very cooperative and we appreciate the stress that it's putting on them and their families. And Todd will provide much greater detail. Uh, Todd was kind enough to go to the hotel last night and spend a considerable amount of time with the players, listen to all their concerns and come to a conclusion. But I'll leave Todd to explain that. So accordingly, I'll hand over to Todd to continue. Once Todd finishes, I will take any question that you may have um, and hopefully we'll be able to answer them. So uh, uh, Todd, Todd Greenberg basically, he... I mean, what did, what's Todd Greenberg supposed to say after that? There was nothing he could really say that was going to overshadow what the boss had just said, you know what I mean? And, yeah, I thought it was a catastrophic uh, press conference. And the NRL needed to follow that up as soon as possible with a level-headed approach. And to his credit today, Todd Greenberg come out and he sounded like a man with a plan. He sounded like a man that was under control. He didn't ask for money. He said, we're basically all the right things. We're going to get through this. It's going to be difficult. We've got a lot of options on the table. We can survive if the Warriors go home after this round. We can survive if t other teams drop out of the competition. We have plans in place. And I, I really thought it was great what Todd, Todd Greenberg said in his last press conference. But I thought that one there... I thought Peter Volandis, I thought it was a, a just a, a shit show from him. I was really disappointed. This is the thing. when Remember when Peter Beattie was making, and let's be honest, they were gaffes. Mm -hmm. And he was trying to palm off like he was just jerking around, like he didn't know that the Cronulla were the Sharks and he's got the Barcelona jumper mixed up with the Knights one and, and just dumb shit like that. Mm -hmm. People hated on him saying, you don't know anything about the game. Mm-hmm. Why are you running this game? And there's a lot of things that you could have been criticised for. Mostly, constantly talking about expansion and then doing fuck all about it. Yeah. Um, but putting your hand out in the middle of a pandemic, which is global, and asking for money to save your game, which you don't know how long it's been around for, you can't even pronounce the name of the fucking sport properly. And people are not hating on him as much as they hated on Peter Beattie. You know, the reason why that worries me, it shows you what? how much power those dickheads in the fucking Daily Telegraph have because they push so hard for him to be there and why there are not? actually morons out there who believe that shit and fucking eat it up and follow it. Exactly. And look, the, I, the thing about Peter Beattie is the media jumped straight on him. And, and look, you and me, I don't think either of us thought Peter Beattie did anything at all no. really he's not but the media was right on to peter Beatty with a lot of stuff that a lot of stuff and they did it with dave smith as well um they did it with i mean they've done it with almost everybody that's run the game but to not do it after that press conference i mean the front page of the newspapers should have just been it should have been that picture of that press conference there and greed because that's yeah. what it come across as and look a, a journo asked a question the first, i think it was the first question that was asked and it was like why do you think rugby league should get any money you know the 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 government has put out a stimulus package why do you think rugby league should get any of it and he said something like you know, the government stimulus package was, say, $16 billion. And so there's plenty to go around. And I'm thinking, that's even worse. <laughs> like, 
just a, a really, really bad PR moment for the for the game. And he's the head of the game in Australia. Like, what chance does rugby league have with that sort of terrible sort of gaff-making machine at the top of it? Yeah, to, to start off by saying that you're putting the welfare of the players and, and people first... Only then to come along saying, fuck the people, I want money for rugby league. Yeah. Ah. Oh. I, I, he would have to do some bloody extraordinary stuff for the game from this point on for me to ever say any po- anything positive about what he's done for rugby league. I just thought that that was uh, one of the lowest things I've ever seen the head of the game ever say. That, that it's sick. Yeah. It's unsympathetic. It's inconsiderate. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to what I was talking about earlier, about in, being, you know, being inconsiderate. That's not thinking about the greater community. No. I, oh. I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And then, uh, like, and then that was followed. You know the thing that got me too? It was followed up by a lot of Telegraph journalists and Phil Gould talking about why is there no money being saved by the NRL? Where's the money? Where what what happened to all the money? And Phil Gould saying, well, when we first started the independent commission, they said they were going to bank fifty million bucks a year. Where's that money, right? And so, and I can't remember who the journalist was. That there was a Telegraph journalist was like, why haven't they been putting money away? And so I retweeted and pointed out, well. News Limited owned the 50% of the NRL for over a decade. So what was their excuse for not putting any money away for the game, right? That's the first thing. And the second thing was, I remember when Phil Gould was the general manager of the Penrith Panthers, and they was, the NRL and the Australian Rugby League under John Grant said, we're going to put all of this money away for a rainy day. And he come out and said, why should it be the ARL that says where rugby league's money goes? Yep. We're the clubs. We generate it. We should be getting that money. And he had to fucking give them millions and millions of dollars because the clubs knew better. And yeah. what did the clubs do with all that money? Where's their fucking war chests? I bet they don't have that money sat in a bank account somewhere. Maybe the ARL should have fucking kept it because the clubs didn't know what to do with it. And see Phil Gould there trying to make out like the ARL has pissed money away when he was at the forefront of making sure the ARL handed over as as much money as they could to clubs. I thought it was so fucking hypocritical. Oh, it was. was, That's that's bloody disgraceful, that is. Yeah. Uh. There's so many, so many kids involved. John Grant was forced to give the club something like, uh, and I can't, it was like 110% of the grant or 120% of the grant because the clubs were pissed off and they were going to vote him out. Now, I'm not saying that John Grant, you know, John Grant should have stood his ground and said, no, you're not getting that fucking money. But to, to see people that were, have had some connection in the eroding of rugby league having the money available over all these years, then turning around and saying, well, why don't they have the money? I could not believe it. It's it's bloody sick is what it is. Mm. It is mm. really sick. Like, 
the, and this is the problem the game has had for quite a while, more so now than ever before, is the bottom line and the money side of things. Yeah. The the obsession on that and the focus on that is absurdly more than it needs to be. There's a point now where you've got there, there was an, there was a um what is his name? Someone on Twitter was going around. They said they contacted every single club via email to ask them yeah. about uh, membership packages, yeah. and some clubs emailed back or called back within the space of twenty twenty five minutes an hour or so. And there are a number of clubs that all they sent was an automated message, and there was nothing for or you know follow up for a week and a half later on. Yeah, and it shows you where some clubs are just. They're, they're hungry for, for money. Others don't care unless they actually just get the money handed to them. Um, the, this this obsession with the cash and when they don't get their money, it's all about, instead of changing the way we do things, let's just put a hand out and say, poor us, give us some money, government, or give us some money, NRL, help us out. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying this to attack other clubs. The West Tigers did it via Balmain. Yeah, you know they stuck their nose into a just a, a fucked up bloody development at Roselle. It went tits up, and then they've been bailed out by the NRL by West Ashfield. The club barely exists anymore. You know, other clubs have done similar things, just been absolutely atrocious with administration, and they constantly get bailed out by the NRL. If you want to know where the fucking money went. Have a look at other clubs that have been poorly administrated over the years and have had to go into the NRL for money and how many of those clubs haven't yet to pay that money back. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I mean, we joke, we've joked about, you know, rugby league clubs saying, oh, we, we don't make a profit. We don't make a profit. And, look, there was a time where the game was severely underfunded for what it was trying to do. Those days are long, long, long gone. Like Great. this is a sport that is has a TV deal which is absolutely gargantuan. It's one of the biggest media entities in Australia. You know, you know that there's plenty of money. The money's there. It's just and and look, I don't think much of the ARL or the NRL, but I think way more of them than clubs. Because we've seen over the course of more than a century what happens when you give clubs money and you give them a little bit of freedom with it, you know, cash in their pocket. They just piss it away. That's absolutely spot on. They can't be trusted because they've just got self-interest at heart. And that's yeah. the other thing too is the NRL has to fund the game around Australia, grassroots footy. I mean, this is the problem that, you know, Phil Gould got criticised over as he was saying that all that money should have been split up evenly between all 16 clubs. People were saying, what about grassroots footy? What about junior footy? What about footy outside of Sydney and Brisbane and Melbourne? Mm-hmm. You know, that whole vast, you know, 99% of the rest of the country. Um, and that just shows you the mentality of clubs. We want it all. We're the ones who make it all. You know, what do the Wagga Kangaroos make in revenue for the NRL? Who gives a shit? How many players have come from Wagga Wagga to play in the NRL to help contribute that money? That's why you put money back in there. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. just... Look, the best thing about to see the self-interest from clubs 
is the reason why we didn't have the same sort of um, season ticket holder base that the AFL, for instance, had. And the reason was that rugby league clubs and their boards didn't like to push memberships because the more members there were, the more unstable their position on a club board would be. So they just neglected it for mm. decades. And then the NRL come come to all these clubs and said, look, you're leaving a massive revenue stream out there by not having a membership drive. And now they do membership drives, but you've got to be like, and it's funny because the, you know, some of the lengths of time you have to be a paid up member of a club before you can cast a vote on the board is fucking hilarious. Yeah. Like you can be a financial member of a club and have no say who's on that board for like three years for some clubs. Yep. It's ridiculous. Self-interest. It, that is pure self-interest. Yep, certainly is. Um, no, it's it's stupid. Speaking of the AFL, though, they came out today and said that they are going to have a shortened season this year. Mm-hmm. They're going from twenty-three rounds down to seventeen, and that means each team plays each other once. Mm-hmm. Um, and tomorrow, I believe they're going to be discussing which rounds will be axed and when the actual start of the competition will be. All of their minor competitions lower the, you know, under the AFL will all start at the end of May. Um, it seems like, a, like it, it's obviously a more harsh decision than what the NRL's done. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it seems somewhat sensible as well because we're dealing with the pandemic now. And the problem with the NRL decision, and I can agree with some of the criticism they're getting over it, is they're adopting a wait-and-see approach. And the problem yeah. with wait-and-see when you've got a pandemic is when you wait, you're waiting for something catastrophic to happen, yeah, which will then fuck everything up. And, I mean, people will know that we're not, here, we're not the sorts to come on here and give praise to the AFL, but I actually thought that their decision today was sensible. And if they choose tomorrow to start in two, three, four weeks' time, or at least assess it in two weeks' time, that would be another intelligent move by them. Because at the moment, I don't know. It, it seems weird. There's so much panic going on around this coronavirus. The logical See? thing would be to to just suspend competition for two, three weeks until everything dies down. You can tweak seasons and stuff like that, make it go two, three weeks longer. Who cares? If the players aren't playing, they're not going to care if they play three weeks longer. See, I, the way I see it, I can completely understand where the NRL wants to play as many games as they possibly can and just get them on the board. Like, if you can get two rounds of the competition either out, even out of the way, it's a positive thing, um, and especially, I mean, say because because we are going to play this next round of games unless something very dramatic happens, which it very well could. But if you at least get two rounds of the competition out of the way, and then you have to suspend the competition even for you know two three months from that point on, when you get a chance to resume, you can then say, look, we've played two rounds of the comp. Now we're going to play another 14 rounds where each team plays each other once. But those two rounds are in the in, are in the bag already. Them first yeah. two rounds are in the bag, which is a good thing. But And I think that, look, rugby league has, and as you know, rugby league has a history of 
we put the show on. World War One, the show is on. World War Two, the show is on. Spanish flu, the show is on. You know, um, banned in Greece, the show is on. It doesn't matter. Rugby league always makes sure that the show goes on. So there's that tradition in the sport. And in some ways, that is admirable about the sport. Um, I, I, I tend to I tend to like what the NRL is trying to do at the moment. But as you say, it all gets shut down as soon as one player tests positive for for any coronavirus. And I think that as soon as that happens, you kind of have to shut the season down. Um, well, I mean, they're going to be in a tricky situation at the moment because after this weekend, the Warriors players have just said, fuck it, we're going back to New Zealand, which means they can't come back to Australia until that ban's lifted. So already yeah. they're in a situation where if they choose to go on beyond round three, one team's going to be having a buy. Yeah, and, and Todd Greenberg today said they have provisions in place for that. I would love to know what they are, mm. whether the Warriors... Uh, basically forfeit games from competition standpoint, whether the games they don't play in are forfeited. Um, I can't I can't think of another alternative than that, you know. The only thing I can think of is um, the Warriors round, you know, first two round games. If if they are to be admitted for the rest of the year, then they just make their two results from round one and round two null. Yeah. And their opponents for those two games just gets a bye. Or gets no competition points if they lost. And just have the Warriors not part of the 2020 yeah. season. Man, and that's, that way, that's And rough. that way you could actually make the season shorter as well because you've got one less team. Yeah. So there's a, there's a, a flow on it, you know, positive impact for the game if you want to shorten the season as well to come from that. Um, now, okay, so because now we're talking about competition formats if the if the worst case scenarios happens so and i've been thinking about this and you know what happens if games aren't played until say august right how do what do we do so my thought was if you if you're getting all the way to august and we haven't been able to play games what i would do is i would cut the 16 teams into groups of like four and basically apply play everyone in your group once and the winners of the group go through the finals. You know, the top two from the group go through the finals and that would be a super, super condensed season, but that might be all we're able to have. I think that the NRL has probably looked at all these things. Another, another idea that was actually given to me, and it was something that Julie um, said to me during the week. And it was something that I sort of changed a little bit. She was saying, "What if they played um, the game each half of each half of the game that they played counted as two games?" But I also thought that maybe what you could do is you could have a lot of double headers where you said, "Look, the NRL Premiership is about the strength of the clubs. Who's the strongest club to go forward?" Maybe what you could do is you could say, "You've got to have basically two separate teams that you name." And you would have a mix of your first grade squad and your reserve grade squad. And no player can play in both games. But it, it would be interesting to have double headers where you could see if teams put more value in winning the first game or the second game 
by putting more first graders in those those teams or if they spread it out because they thought they could win both games. Something along those lines to really condense the season. I know it's not ideal, but I think that everything has to be on the table. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think the what they'd have to do is have a, a minimum situation where every team plays each other once. That would be the minimum number of rounds they could go with. Mm-hmm. And then if they needed to, I think what they might consider is each team plays two games a week. So you'd have three days off and then you play a game, then you'd have four days off, then you play a game, three days off, play a game, four days off, play a game. And that way you get through the games pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, See, in that in that scenario, I because you've got to look after player welfare. Well, I that comes say, back to what you were suggesting before, where you'd have pretty much an A team and a B team. Yeah, yeah. They kind of do that in Super League. You look at some of the squads they've got there, and they've got, you know, 30, 35 player squads and, and then some. So there are some players who can play every week, like wingers. Um, and then there are some players you just couldn't play, you know, you couldn't play two or three times every week for, back, you know, back-to-back weeks, like front rowers and back rowers and centres and halves and stuff like that. So you could... I could probably find a way to try and turn it into a positive for the game to try and check out the depth of players in the game Mm. and you could use that as a way to determine whether the game is ready to expand that's true and and look none of this is none of it's ideal like all of it it, whatever idea you and me put up we're we're both going to be like oh yeah I guess but that's what we might end up with if there's something that's just you know, let's have some semblance of a competition format that's not going to be ideal, but, man, at least at least we've got a, some sort of season that we've had this year, you know. Um, yeah. It's 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 a strange one. I The one thing I think we will definitely see is State of Origin being played. I think even if everything is in lockdown, they will find a way to isolate 34 players to play three games of State of Origin in whatever venue. I don't know. I'd even think they'd even find a way, even if they've got to bring in a ton of health security people, they would find a way to make sure that they could actually have full crowds watching those games too. Oh, really? I never even yeah. thought of trying that. Man. I mean, there's I mean, going to be you can get, plenty you of get those little, That was the last time you went on a plane, but, you know, you can get those little... Laser temperature guys, they just put it against your forehead, check your temperature. Okay, you don't have a fever, got any symptoms? You know, they can give doctor can give a, have a quick look in your throat and say, all right, you've passed. I don't take them like a minute to do a a, a basic test on you. Mm-hmm. If you don't did have they, any symptoms, they could the airport. Hey, did they do that to you at the airport? No. Wow. Well, they, they did it getting onto the boat. Okay, that makes sense. That one makes sense. The thing that was weird about getting onto the ship is that they asked you to write down, have you been to the doctor? Have you had any flu and stuff like that in the last two weeks? Yeah. And if you wanted to go on the boat, you just tick no to all of those. And then yeah. away you go. Yeah. It's a complete honour system. And when you're dealing with a pandemic and people doing something that's for pleasure, you can't have an honour system in place because people are going to do whatever it takes for them to go and enjoy that. And so that was the thing that was stupid about it. 
Yeah, well, like when New Zealand brought in that the, the thing where you've got to quarantine yourself two weeks if you go into New Zealand now, and I was thinking, like, just say you had a two-week holiday, and, you know, a two-week holiday isn't a weird thing to, to do. Just say you're going to have a two-week holiday in New Zealand. It, it, like, how could you afford to then decide to just burn that by sitting in a, a hotel room somewhere? Like, there'd be plenty of people that just cannot afford to do that. They've already paid for their accommodations all, elsewhere and stuff like that. And yet the, the idea that we're using the honor system is a little bit scary in a pandemic. Yeah, it's completely pointless. Mm. It defeats the whole purpose of even asking the question. It really does. It really I, does. I, I reckon they'd find a way to do that. And That's interesting. Because, I mean, you and me both believe that. Money spinner. Exactly. Like, and especially if we've got if you've got a captive audience, like that's, I mean, I would, I could see where say channel nine would say, look, we will, we will pay 2 million extra dollars to put you all in a hotel out of the way, you know, and, and do everything possible, like have medical staff, bringing them meals and shit like that to that extent to make sure that the State of Origin show went on. Yeah, and the NRL would more than likely jack up the prices for every ticket and they would still sell a lot of them. Because if you haven't seen any rugby league all year and the first game that comes along that you get a chance to see is State of Origin, people will pay through the nose for it. I mean, they already do pay big money for those seats. Mm. But... I wouldn't be surprised if the owner just said, you know, we're just going to double the price for every single ticket and they would still sell it out and that would help them cover some lost revenue. Not all of it, obviously, but it would help. Just help, yeah. Now, in terms of making up lost revenue, there was a rumour today that the NRL was looking to sell on some games, excuse me, to ESPN in the US because obviously with all of the other competitions basically in the world, shutting down during this pandemic there is complete lack of content and that would be a really good way if rugby league is able to be continued in some manner through this pandemic that would be a great way for the nrl to recoup a lot of losses because all of these these uh sports stations around the world are going to be absolutely crying out for content of any kind and if you can show live sport from any country at all, you're going to chuck it on right now because it's either that or ESPN has to get Stephen A. Smith on like 24-7, you know? i tell you what, one one country that should be pushing hard for this is England because um, if, if Sky Sports or BBC, for example, are desperately looking for content and the NRL's available, mm. English rugby league fans and English... English sports fans in general could actually get every NRL game on TV, plus the Super League games, possibly even the Championship and the the Challenge Cup games. And if that doesn't help the English Rugby League get themselves a better broadcasting deal in the future, then they should just throw in the towel. Yeah, and look, there was 
and I, I I don't know. I haven't looked at the news for, uh, from the UK for the last forty eight hours, forty eight seventy two hours, I'd say. But there was they look like they were trying to move in that direction where they are going to keep playing games as long as possible as well over there. And they said to Sky Sports, "Look, you should broadcast all of our games instead of the few that you do per week, um, because they're the, the only show in town in the UK right now is Rugby League, mm. and they should be." pushing it as hard as they can. And it's weird to talk about because on one hand, you and me are like, you know, the NRL has to put the players first and you'd want Super League to put the players first. But you also, it's hard to look at the opportunities that are now there and not say this might be a, an opportunity that we will never get again. This is the thing. I don't get how the the risk to players is increased if they're playing in front of empty stadiums. Like this is the thing that got me. That was funny that I saw on the weekend. I haven't seen much rugby league content, obviously, because I was on a boat and they didn't yeah. have any rugby league on there. Mm-hmm. Um, is I saw a clip. I was on Twitter. Oh, some some bloke at the Manly Storm game washing the rugby league balls. Yeah, and I thought. I, I can see what you're doing. I understand what you're doing. <clears throat> but the football's not going to send the virus from one person to another in a body contact sport where there are people, thousands of them, around you. The ball is the least of the concern. <laughs> Look, I I understand that point of view. I think that was the ball that was thrown back in from the crowd. and. Look, I've got to. I have to applaud the NRL because I would never have thought about the ball, and that at least they're trying. At least they're leaving no stone unturned. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like, I, I could easily see where if they weren't washing the balls, that people they could have just say, left it out there, left it you, in the crowd. Well, yeah, somebody you've got that. a memento. There's a, they've got like five or six they use for every game. Yeah, but you know what these fucking clubs are like. I mean, there would be some fucking chairman who, or, or general manager who would have a free car out the back of the stadium that would say, well, that was a $35 ball. What are we doing wasting that money? You know what they're like. Yeah. I did see a good tweet, what was it, last week from one of the English teams talking about one of their um, their kit guys. They showed a picture of him with a whole heap of steed and footballs in a bathtub. And he said, oh, look, even our kit man, he's washing washing all the balls in the tub. And I went, yeah, well, that's where you normally wash your balls. Yeah. Yeah, it's either a tub or like a, you know, public fountain. Um, where that's else? True. You know those, sometimes you go into like the Pete's Huts where you can eat in. And they've yeah. got those machines that dispense like cold water and stuff sometimes in them. Yeah, if you get a big enough cup. Oh, yeah, you got to get a big goal. Well, the big jug. Yeah. Now, <laughs> let's move on to the next bit here. Mm-hmm. Today, the uh, I don't know who runs the, the Virgo Freak Pod Twitter account, but they put out a question today. It says, if you have any questions you want us to answer, to reply to this tweet with them. And okay. we had a few more responses than we expected. Usually when we do something like that, like one person responds and it's usually the you or me. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's along the lines of who is this? Um, 
But today we've actually had some answers. That's weird. So, I I personally don't know who runs the, that account. Um, I don't think you do either, do you? No, nah, I mean, I was, I was out trying to get coronavirus all day, so it wasn't me. Yeah, it wasn't me. No, I mean, you were hunkered down. I was... <laughs> I was playing with my hammer all day. As you do. Yeah. Um, so shall we go through the questions? Yeah, let's do it. Let's start go through one by one. This will be interesting. All right. You're down to your last $10. What do you buy and why? Mm, that's a really interesting question. 10 bucks. Um, I would buy... I would buy Cherry Coke because I like Cherry Coke and I would probably, I reckon I could buy a Cherry Coke and a double, double a Porto burger. That's what I would buy. Yeah, look, I've, I've given up the soft drinks. So I'd just go with the double a Porto burger. Yeah. And and I'd probably get a few cheap chicken nuggets from somewhere so the, the little one can have something to eat as well. That way the three of us are fed. I'd be Ooh. sharing the burger with the missus. What about what about that that feed that they do at KFC where you get the 10 pieces of chicken for 10 bucks on a Tuesday? Uh, I work on Tuesdays. Okay. What about... <laughs> don't they have a feed where you get 24 chicken nuggets for 10 bucks? Oh, yeah, but I mean... Jack Bird's not playing footy anymore, so there's no chance of getting that. <laughs> well, everyone else is out getting toilet paper. He's getting there. He's going around getting all the chicken nuggets. I know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That was Nadine who said that one, and she's sitting in a heap more here as well. Pepsi or Coke? Uh, Coke, definitely Coke. I was a Pepsi person. Okay. Uh, mountains or beaches? Ooh, now... I saw when she posted that before and I stopped reading them after this one because I didn't want to ruin the rest of them. I I was in the Blue Mountains a lot when I was a kid and not so much near the beaches and I absolutely love going to the beach now and so I would have to pick beaches. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit torn on this. Yeah. Um, I think I prefer countryside to mountains and okay. beaches to mountains. So I'm going to go with beaches. If she had said countryside, I'd have, been, I'd have gone the other way. Okay. Uh, hot or cold? Now, I'm, I'm does... assuming this is about climate. Okay, just climate. Uh, I would probably... And this I'm is cold. A... I'm cold yeah. all the way. I think I would probably prefer the cold, yeah. And I put it down to laziness. Why? Because, well, it's easy to warm up. It's hard to cool down. And you've got to go to a lot more effort to cool down than what it does take to warm up. I just feel like the clothes you can wear when it's colder look better. That's true. Plus, you don't tend to stink of sweat either. There's that as well. Um, Burgers or fried chicken? Oh, jeez. Oh, man. Uh, I'm going fried chicken. I'm going burgers. Okay. Pineapple on pizza. Of course. I'm a yes here as well. Excellent. You've got a soul, that's why. That's right. Um, my little one, she loves pineapple on pizza. It's the only type of pizza she'll eat. It's the best. I, I love getting double pineapple on, on ham and pineapple pizzas. 
That's the way to go. Yeah. Uh, beetroot on burgers? Yes, of course. Yes, it's Australia. Absolutely. Um, what's the next one? If coronavirus wasn't making people sick right now, would you lick Todd Greenberg's bald melon for $100? Who the fuck asked that question? Uh, someone by the name of Katie Lou. Never heard of her. Oh, makes so much sense. How much <laughs> is it? A hundred bucks to lick his dome. Yeah. hundred bucks. Yeah, do it for a hundred bucks. Fuck it. Uh, yeah, why not? A hundred bucks in the story? Can you imagine that? Absolutely. That'd be brilliant. Yeah. I if mean, how both... many people say they've licked Todd Greenberg's dome? Yeah, it'll be good as we can both do that. And then we can do a podcast episode talking about it for an hour. That would be brilliant. We could do a three-part episode. Why not? And we'd both be up $100 each and would have got content out of for this show. Of course we'd do it. It'd be brilliant. That'd be the most money we've made out of this podcast. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Um, Nadine's asked, how do you think Peter Vlindy's handled the press conference recently? Um, Shithouse. Yeah, catastrophic was the word that I would use. Um, Mm. Just... Stay away from the cameras. He needs the Graham Annesley treatment. Just go away and let Todd Greenberg deal with everything. Exactly. Uh, thoughts on the game's poor financial standing? I don't think this financial standing is poor. We're dealing with a never-before situation here, and there's no way known the NRL could have foreseen this and prepared for it. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that. Uh, I think it's funny that you know, there's a global pandemic, and the only thing I've heard that is definitely going to die are uh, 80 year olds in rugby league. It's a little bit weird. Um, yeah. It's just look, it, when everything starts up again, the very first thing that Fox Sports and Channel 9 are going to want to see on their screens is rugby league action. Um, you know, there's things in place for clubs that if they go a certain number of games without. Um, having any any games at all, then they the costs are lowered by having to lower the, how much they pay the players because the players are obviously not playing. Um, you know, it's a billion dollar game. It's a, it's it, there's a reason why it's called an industry now, rather mm-hmm. than you know what it used to be before we got the proper TV deals. I, I think all of this talk about rugby league being on its bare ass is is stupid. Agreed. Uh, what do you think clubs will need to do differently to stop members asking for refunds? Now, I've got an idea for this one. Mm-hmm. A lovely little hamper with a roll of toilet paper, a few pieces of bread, maybe one of those small, fun size Kellogg's boxes of cereal, mm-hmm. 500 grams of mince, packet of spaghetti, some bolognese sauce, some milk. You can probably just get some UHT milk. Get all that in a hamper and just say, pop this in your bunker. That's got to be worth the, the cost of a membership. Speaking of popping it in your bunker, can we chuck in some batteries for the ladies as well? Sure. I mean, they need that for their blenders. Yeah, exactly. And Do like blenders they're... take batteries? I, I've never used one. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what a blender looks like. 
I've, I've heard of them. You just don't. You just go like you need something blended, and you go, "Hey, honey, blend me some." Yeah. Do that thing you do with the noisy thing that makes things turn into milkshakes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll be over here doing man stuff. Waking. Um, <laughs> you got any ideas on how they could stop members asking for refunds? If I was an NRL club, the th- what I would do is I would have my CEO, my coach, and my captain sit down with my social media team, and I would have them go on and say, if you want a refund, we, I'd say it's it's extraordinary circumstances right now, and we understand that you want refunds. What we're going to do is we're going to issue refunds at the start of 2021 in January. Um, and I, I would say we understand this is extraordinary we're very sorry about this. We promise we will give you a refund if you want a refund. What that will allow the club to do is if you want a full refund, you get your full refund. If you just want a refund for the games that will be missing, they'll be able to calculate that refund at that time. It'll also allow them to have all of that money in the bank earning interest for a year, right? which is mm-hmm. going to be a positive thing for the club. But I think that it would at least... Or, or, and the other thing it would do is if you wanted to just roll that money forward into a 2021 membership, that would allow that to happen as well a lot smoother. I, I think just having that plan in place for supporters would put a lot of minds at ease, and I think it would change the the thought process of a lot of supporters in terms of, look, my, the club has my money right now, and I'm fine with that knowing that I will get it back in January, next January. And I, so that's what I would do if I was a club. How about, to, uh, you know, to tweak that one a little bit. So you pay full full price for membership this year. We don't refund you anything. Next year and the year after, if you buy a membership with us and you continue the same membership you've got this year, we'll give you 50% off the next two seasons after that. Oh, that's a good idea too. I like that idea as well. Because that way they're still putting money in there while the club's not making a huge amount back from them. Mm-hmm. The fan is essentially getting, you know, across the two seasons, one year free. But they're actually yeah, still giving I, the club I, money over the two years. That's a great idea. That's a really great idea. I really like that idea. I think we're going to see a lot of that sort of spreading out the financial damage. You know, I yeah. wouldn't be shocked if we found out that... Um, you know, the NRL had done a deal with its media partners that part of next year's money or next year's uh, payments for for the competition is being brought forward to mitigate the losses from this year. Stuff like that. Mm. Fact of work. Yeah. Um, Nadine again. She's just. It looks like she's the only one who's asking questions she, now, doesn't it? I love Nadine. She's great. Uh, thoughts on all teams being based in one central location and playing from one venue? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like that would cause more problems. Just having all the plays in one place, you would hope yeah. that the high schools were all shut down at that point. But the, the problem with that is Bryce Cartwright is the problem with that. 
Mr. No Vaccines. Yeah. yeah. We can't have him in the same place as everybody else. And, and that's the problem. Like, I think that if you keep the teams apart, as we've got them now, if you find that two or three teams have an issue, you can isolate those teams. Whereas if everyone's together and the players are all going to mingle, you're not going to be able to stop them from mingling. Um, yeah, I, I just think it, it would probably cause more problems than it fixes. Yeah. Well, what you could do is provide beer. What that could go wrong? Exactly. Just free spirits the whole time. What if uh, they? What if we set up like in the middle of the desert, right? Because there's some facilities in the middle of Australia that no one knows about. What if there is some sort of facility where we send all of the players and they've got a rugby league field there, and it's just like a a rugby league camp, a giant rugby league camp where there's no town, there's no nothing. It's just footy players and team staff and a field. That could work. That might work, yeah. That could work. Um, Katie is coming with another cracking question. Okay. If you were down to your last half roll of toilet paper, is there any NRL player you like enough to share some with? No. Oh, maybe Jason Talmalolo. Yeah, Jason Talmalolo. I'd be willing... Yeah, I'd be willing to share toilet paper with any player earning less money than me because I'm a humanitarian. (laughs) I like that answer too. (laughs) Um, Julie has asked... This one's for you, I think. As a historian statistician... What is the one fact about the game that every NRL fan should know to consider themselves a true fan? Mm. Um, I think... Oh, man, this is a tough one, eh? It's a pretty good question. I hate, really... to be an hist- I hate to be a historian and be put on the spot to have to answer that question. Yeah, look, sometimes <laughs> us historians and statisticians take this burden on. You know, you're just going to have to be content being an expert and a fucking loudmouth, Andrew, in this sense. Um, <laughs> I don't I've, know. What, I've, what you... I've been the sweary one tonight too, so yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's my gig. <laughs> um, oh, oh, mate. That's a good one, eh? It is a good one. I'd probably you know, say... I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I would say this, right? Mm-hmm. If you ask a rugby league supporter when the game started and they say eight... 1995, I'm giving them that knowing nod. Okay. Um, I think what happened to France under the Vichy rule. Okay. That's a good one too. That was... Yeah, we want to talk deplorable. doesn't get much worse than that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I won't go into that for you, Julie. There's a few books out there. Um, we, won't, we won't even do an episode on it one day. Yeah, isn't the the one that everyone talks about, The Forbidden Game? Yes, fantastic yeah. book. Yeah, I've never read it, but I always hear that one brought forward as the, the book, basically. It's, it's one of those books where you're starting to read it and it feels like it's a bit of a slog. Yeah. But once you start getting into it and you start seeing how deep-rooted this whole situation was within the, the French government, 
mm-hmm. and French Rugby Union and how intertwined that all was. Um, it starts getting pretty alarming. You start to sort of really respect the quality of the research that went into that because it really is... That, that would have been very hard to research given that so much of the information from around then was, you know, deleted, essentially, because that's what happened to the game. Yeah. And so it, that was it, phenomenal. You know, the, the thing that that story shows is... And Rugby League's had to go through a lot of things in its its entire existence. But there's few things that were totally catastrophic. I mean, ha- they had their assets literally stripped. They had equipment stolen by the government, and the game was banned. And I couldn't call it rugby. And It was given to the opposition code, their biggest rival. Yeah, and yet the game survived in France. Um, there's something about this game of rugby league that it's it's just fucking unkillable. That's why it's so frustrating when you see Peter Volandi sitting up there, you know, acting like the game's about to die because of pandemic. Man, pandemic's not going to kill rugby league. Yeah, the Nazis couldn't kill it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Julie said, should the NRL just cancel the season for now and just play a nines-type tournament stretched out over a few months at the end of the year to decide the premiership? I would like to see mm-hmm. maybe play eight rounds, right? So just play half the competition format, okay? Mm-hmm. And then and then have first past the post. Whoever's at the top of the ladder wins the title. Just because that hasn't been around since, I think it was 1937 was the last time we had that. Be a nice little throwback to the history of the game. It would be a bit cool, wouldn't it? And a similar length season as well. And then you could follow it up. Hopefully the coronavirus is finished. You could have you know that short eight season, eight week season, and follow up with a really long kangaroo tour because that's what they did in thirty seven. Do you reckon we're going to end up with the kangaroo tour the way that they've designed it, or do you think that that will be completely off? I think given how the coronavirus has gone through Europe, I don't think I don't think that kangaroo tour is going ahead at all. Nah, so same here. They, they might actually reschedule it so the kangaroo tour just goes through the Pacific Islands. Yeah, yeah, that's a good, really good point to actually. Um, yeah, I I feel as though that I wouldn't be shocked if we heard an announcement of that not too long from now, like maybe two or three months from now. You know, because yeah. um, over in Europe it's the epicenter of this coronavirus and. The UK, it's a lot more spread through the UK than it is here. We're very lucky in Australia. It's, it's not too much of it in Australia at the moment. But, yeah, I, I, I would be absolutely shocked if we saw any sort of games at all. in, in, in Like even just the three-match series that they had planned, I don't think it will happen. No. Um, Richard Cranium asked, should the comp be suspended for a month, reassess it then? Then have a shortened comp of two conferences plus finals. Means each club gets at least seven home games. Oh, there you go. I said that earlier. Yeah. Well, there I you go. There's your answer. Yeah. I, look, I think that the only problem with suspending the comp immediately is that you don't know in six months that you'll be able to play games. And I tend to think that the NRL's thinking is play as many games as possible, get them on the books, get the money out of the TV contract while we can. And because... I I personally believe, depending 
depending on how bad this pandemic gets, you could you could lose six months of rugby league of the rugby league season, and I'm talking about into November. Um, and I just think you play as many games as you can right now and get make hay while the sun shines, basically. Yeah, I'm. I think that the the game is going to be looking at trying to make sure that everyone plays each other once. I think that's going to be their minimum marker because that's that's fifteen rounds. And if they got two out of the way already, they've only got 13 games left. And as I said before, if they play two two games a week and say it's August or September they come back, that's only six weeks of footy and it's mm-hmm. full-on footy and bang, yep. you're into the finals. It's, you might be playing the grand final at the end of October, so you're only going to be three weeks off schedule anyway. Yeah, and that's not too bad. Yeah, so like, I don't know, it'd be interesting to see how it works out. The, the other thing is too... We've had seasons that were shorter than that in rugby league's history and legitimate seasons, and it would be a legitimate season on the books. Yeah, absolutely would. Um, will the hopeful deal with ESPN help alleviate a little of the financial strain on the NRL and its clubs? Is it a chance to showcase the game to a bigger market, but the no crowds may be an issue? That was from Richard Cream as well. Richard um, on song tonight, hey. We're just nailing it. It's not like we we read these before either. No. Um, I've I've been thinking of some ideas that the NRL could do during their broadcast when they've got you know games being played in front of no crowds Mm -hmm. to make extra cash. So now we've got the captain's challenge at the moment. Yep. Scrap it and have fans challenge, and we can just waste. Tons of time, which means more time for advertisers to get their shit plugged all over the TV screen. Yeah. While every single fan goes on there and questions every single decision, and we review every single decision ever made, the game could go for like nine hours. Think of all the advertising you get in there. And the app you use to do that, you just got to pay $25 up front for it, and that money just goes straight to half it goes to the club you support, and the other half goes to the NRL. I don't see downside to any of that. There's no downside. Not even a shred of a downside. In fact, I think maybe we need to start making some phone calls as soon as we finish this podcast because why why hasn't that been in place this whole time? I'm a thinker. What more can I say? Yeah. Um, Hey, you know what? I was was just thinking then. Just on... I I think the empty stadiums will be... Considering that everyone knows why this stadium will be empty, I don't think it'll be a problem. But I tell you what, if you if the NRL's smart, when they play these games, they will have the most giant seat cover you have ever seen in your life over all the seats that are empty, and it will have sponsorship logos all over it that will be making money as well. Yeah, they could do. Mm. Is Say so they've got a game at Bank West. Yeah. Just at the top on every side of the stadium, from the roof, they just drop down this massive sheet. Yeah. And what's on that massive sheet as it drops down is a picture of the stadium full for that side panel. <laughs> that would be actually interesting, that. Crowd's full. Yeah. 
Plus, it has Natural. a double effect because if the if the footy gets kicked and goes into the stand, it just hits the big sheet and just falls down, so they don't have to go run up through the stands to get the ball back. Well, that's what I was just thinking. Can you imagine Bankwest Stadium? Because that I would guess that the stadium roof lines up almost perfectly to the the, uh, the barriers around the ground. Can you imagine how bloody weird it would be to be playing basically in a big white cylinder? <laughs> exactly. It would be so. And it'd be so weird. I kind of want to see that happen. Likewise. Now, Katie's asked another question. Yeah. If it were possible to shoot a player out of a cannon to the moon where they would have to live forever, however, it would cure the coronavirus and the season could go on as normal, which player would you choose to shoot to the moon? So we've got to sacrifice someone to save the world from coronavirus just so rugby league can go ahead. Oh, man. Now, some people are suggesting that I'd say Mitchell Moses. And I think that's a bit harsh. I don't know why people have got this impression I don't like Mitchell Moses. You've always but been fair with him, I think. I'd, I'd like to think so. And I would not pick him for this job. Because occasionally, and even I'll admit it, he plays some good footy. Mm-hmm. I'd be choosing someone who you just don't see anything out of. And so I'd be choosing Adam oh. Blair. Oh, Adam Blair. Yeah, yeah, he'd be up there. I, I think you could go Blair. You could go, part of me wants to say Josh Maguire, hey? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Okay. Um, Julie said, this is probably going to sound like a bit of a creeper question. Mm-hmm. But I'm generally interested in what riders wear under their leathers. Do you have to wear any other kind of safety clothes in case of a crash? I can't believe that Julie would ask this question to anybody, uh, but I I thought that it was pretty common knowledge that what riders do is they basically wrap themselves in ham and then pull their their you know leathers up over that. I thought everyone knew that. It makes it easier to. Um keep the meat intact when they've, they've had an accident. You need to cook them up to dispose of the body. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, they're well, pigs in a blanket. Bingo. Um, Katie's asked another one. She's got a few here in a row. Okay. If, if you were an NRL player, would you accept being paid in pippies if the NRL went broke during these troubled times? Pippies. They're like those little uh, fucking seafood things, yeah? I've no idea. I think they are. I, I wouldn't because I find I wouldn't be satisfied with them. What would you? What alternative currency would you be happy to be paid in if you're a player? Toilet paper. Toilet paper. I wonder if there's some sort of credit system they use on Tinder. I'm guessing a lot of players <laughs> would pick that. Uh, Actually, I do wonder if toilet paper is going to be like Bitcoin. It's just going to go up in value so savagely and then just plummet through the floor. Have you seen the Bitcoin, how badly it plummeted? It was horrid. Ah, I'm glad I don't. People buying Ferraris and all of a sudden they couldn't afford a Datsun. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Man, yeah, I guess toilet paper would be pretty good currency. Um, Man, what else would be good currency? You know, in the rugby league circles. I'll tell you what, something that has held its value pretty well is meat pies at the footy. <laughs> they have always been at a premium. 
Water always pack. held their value. There's no depreciation in that market. Nah, what about watered down beer? That's another Ooh. one. Tell you what, I like doesn't that matter how much. It doesn't matter how much water you put in there. The value still stays the same. Oh, I reckon. You can that's, make that shit almost clear. That's the most hydrating fucking alcoholic drink you can have. A, a beer at the footy. It's the only beer that doesn't get you um, dehydrated and hungover. No, no, you got to take a thousand bucks to get pissed at the footy. <laughs> it's bad enough that you starve your, you know, your whole family for a week before you turn up, but then exactly. you also buy alcohol on top of it. Um, Katie's asked, would you rather be professional rugby league players' footy shorts or their footy socks? Um, obviously, we're going to go socks. Yeah. We know where the shorts go. Yeah, I know Katie would love to be, like, player shorts, especially for Manu at the Roosters. Yeah, that's a bit weird. What's, yeah. what's this one here? She's a weirdo, hey? <laughs> <laughs> um, Julie asks, will, the, will there be a reality TV series about the players' lives of Fox Sports when the season gets cancelled? What reality-type series would you love to see? I'd like to see the players engaged in Married at First Sight. Oh, man, that would be great. <laughs> oh. they've, got to, they've got to marry another football player. Oh, so we go on same-sex marriages, are we? Yeah. They don't have to do any kissing if they don't want to, but we've just got to see them live together and just bitch about one another. What would be the weirdest combination of players that you you could force to live with one another for like three months or whatever. Mitch Moses and Darius Boyd. <laughs> That's a good one. What about what about one of the Sims and uh and uh Cameron Smith? Ooh. That'd be good. <laughs> Two, I'd like one to combo see one combo I'd like to see for completely opposite version would be t- Jason Tomalolo and Bill Kikau. Oh, my God. Just to see how much food they had to get in for them. Exactly. That'd be it. Just just to see them ring up Uber Eats and just go, what are you driving? They'll say what type of car he is. No, no, no. You're going to need something bigger. Yes, some poor fucker. Like, he's dragging behind him, like, 27 kilos worth of food. (laughs) He's got an XL, Honda XL with a trailer on the back. Yeah, yeah. Damn. We'll just get Tomalolo to ring up. Mitchell Moses saying, do you still work for Deliveroo? I've got an order. <laughs> what about if Mitchell Moses goes back and works for Deliveroo while the season's like that and you just follow him around, you put a, a GoPro on his head and just have him like... Abusing know, traffic. Yeah, yeah. It'd be like those taxi cab confessions, except it's like Mitchell, Mises, Mitchell uh, Moses' GoPro. That would be brilliant. That would be fun to watch, actually. Yeah, but yeah. you know what would be another another good NRL show? So, like a real housewives, but it's real house husbands <laughs> of the NRL. That would be cool. Like a real... And you could have different areas. Like you could have real house husbands of Bondi, real real house husbands of the Northern Beaches. Real Bill house Walker. Yeah. Real House just, Husband of Mount with, Druitt. With Dylan Walker, you could just have a kill switch on his PlayStation. Oh, Jesus 
crust in your fucking... What the fuck? <laughs> well, we know he doesn't like it when it's not turned on. Yeah, he does. He sent, it's, all sent, sent, it's all about drama. It's all about drama. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah. Um, if... <laughs> oh, Katie. If you had a girlfriend and she magically swapped bodies with Wayne Bennett, would you rather... To fuck Wayne Bennett in your girlfriend's body or fuck your girlfriend in Wayne Bennett's body? You would definitely fuck Wayne Bennett in your girlfriend's body. What? What's with Katie? <laughs> Scientists have been asking that question for a long time. That, that's, that's a random one. I feel like Katie's questions are like, she just wants to work out where the barriers are of what we would fuck. <laughs> She's well, trying to find the line. Let, let's I, go to the next one there because it's not much different. Okay. Would you prefer to date an ugly NRL player that is on over a million a year or a super hot rugby league player who is on minimum rugby league wage? I'm not that superficial, Katie. Yeah, I, I would. I, it would be the one that was the nicest, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, and the cute eyes and who decides to do the washing. Yeah, exactly. That's probably going to be the rich one. More than likely. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Who do you think is the best ever interchange bench player? Has there been someone who has only ever played from the bench? Now, one of the most prominent ones from the 90s was John Plath from the Broncos. Yeah, he was one that was always on the bench, eh? Hey? He was generally a bench player. Craig Wing's another one. Um, he became yeah. the first genuine bench specialist player. Yeah. Yeah, there's, they usually graduate into the first grade, into the starting lineup. Um, the Canberra Raiders had a lot of really good bench players around the mid 90s. Like Hetherington was one. Um, Wesley. Wesley. Yeah, he was very good. Um, yeah. Well, there like, doesn't mean too many that were genuine. I think um, Jeremy Lattimore played a ton of games off the bench too. Yeah, yeah, he did. I guess the best one, and he doesn't play on the, off the bench all the time, is... Um, Tyrone Peachy, he's amazing off the bench, but he plays yeah. so much in the starting lineup now. That's right. He's brilliant. Um, Katie, she's got the last two questions. Mm-hmm. If you're an NRL player, would you rather play with a crowd that was all zombies or a crowd that was all vampires? I've got to ask, what's the difference? Well, zomb- both, both want to eat you. Well, I guess zombies want to eat your brains. Yeah, but the vampire wants to kill you and suck your blood. Suck your blood. I'd probably go... I'd probably want to play in front of, like, the Walking Dead sort of zombies because they just walk. You just walk at a brisk pace and you're fine. That's right. I'm I'm inclined to go the same way. But, okay, so hang on a second. But if the vampires were the type out of them Twilight movies where if they go in sunlight, they sparkle. You could bitch slap one of those. You wouldn't have a problem with those. That, that's true. Um, furthermore, if it's a if it's a, Roos, if it's a Titans crowd, mm. who cares? Sweet, yeah, just whatever. Just walk have away. 
werewolves in the crowd, you're still fine. Exactly. Um, and the last one from Katie. If you're a professional rugby league player, would you play with your shoes on the wrong feet for 80 minutes if you're going to be paid $1 million? Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. What, what does she think Paul Carriage was doing in the late 90s? <laughs> exactly. Daniel Fitzhenry, I mean, he always ran in circles. He didn't know which way his feet were supposed to go. Anybody that saw Todd Byrne try and make a break knew he was wearing his shoes on the wrong feet. Not only did he have them on the wrong feet, he also had them back to front. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they were three sizes too big. <laughs> and inside out. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest, they were gloves. But, so basically what Katie is saying is, like, would you be an English winger for a million dollars a season? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Who'd say no to that? Exactly. Well, that's been thorough. Entertaining as well. I'd like, just like to know why we have so many female listeners that are horny bullies. Yeah, I, I don't know. Is, is, that all, is that what we evoke out of people? I, it might be. I, I don't know that I'm in, uh, that that's me. I don't think I've got enough personality to be doing anything like that. It's definitely not me. Like, look, that the, damn intern running the Twitter account again. It really is. I Whoever the fuck has the access to that Twitter uh, profile, like, they just made so much work for us today. I couldn't really believe did. it. I was like, what yeah. a fucking prick. Yeah. There's some sort of hidden agenda going on there. We need to get to the bottom of that. Yeah. Yeah, we've got to sack. We'll find out who it is and sack them. All right. Well, before we wrap this one up, I've got to ask this question. Have we had any emails? It's been a while. Oh, that's a really good question. Maybe I should have looked at that before the show, hey? Nah, Fit. I'd like to spring that one on you so that we um we can check that out live. We might even get a bit of spam this time. Let's have a look. I, you know what? I always get LinkedIn spam. It's so fucking annoying. Um, let's have a look here. Uh, we haven't had any new reviews. No reviews since the 24th of February. It's almost been a month, people. If, if you do a review, give us five stars, right? And it has to be nice. But say... Our podcast is is as infectious as the coronavirus, and we'll read it out on the next podcast. That'd be great. I think we will. Yeah. Um, Nadine got in touch with this. Oh, man. It's so weird because, like, this time last week, we had so many plans for podcasts coming up, and they kind of all went out the window when the pandemic hit the planet. Yes. So... Like, yeah, so we got an email from uh, Nadine about um, there was a a poll uh, from all of the NRL club CEOs and some of the chair. So we we might do that this week sometime, go back through and do that one. Um, I I think that's the only one that I can find here. It's, It's so weird going back through for so long. Oh, hang on. We might have one here. Oh, yeah, Andy. Remember Andy sent us an email and and there was a thing about Matt Lodge and we, we basically didn't agree with Andy in some of the things he was saying. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, Andy emailed us again and said uh, he's a bit behind in listening to the podcast, um, so he just got to reading our email, um, or maybe listening to the to the episode, I guess. Um, he said, just on Falau Lodge, he's happy to disagree and be able to do it with civility, which is nice. He said, otherwise, keep up the good work. Loved your episode on the NRL advert too. So that was very nice to hear that. Um, and I think that that's it. I think that's nice. the we've had. So, yeah. Get in touch, people. Um, we're on YouTube, too. There's a lot of people having a chat on there one day soon. We might just do a, a single episode, or it might be just in one of our live shows that are coming up soon. Mm. Um, where we read out a heap of those comments on there and what they relate to, and we will respond to those in kind. Mm-hmm. There's a fair few there. Uh, so get over to the YouTube page there and, and subscribe Hit the bell button over there and subscribe to us and like all the videos and leave comments on there if you if you want because um, we'll be we'll be reading those out too. There's a whole heap there. It'll be yeah, we'll have to do. Before. I'm ready to do a live episode of some sort. Hey, yeah, we're overdue. Yeah, I think we haven't, done, the... we haven't done one since the longest game of rugby league ever. <laughs> yeah, jeez, that was a fun episode. I, uh, you know, we're. Once everyone's in lockdown and it's a captive audience, I think we'll get a lot of people watching us on YouTube and we'll uh, we'll come up with something. Even if we do like a quiz or or something like that live, we'll get some guests on and, and just, you know, talk shit for a few hours, I guess. It'll be good yeah. fun. We'll make some shit happen. That's what we do. Um, people, you can check us out on Instagram and on Twitter at FergoFreakPod. We're on LinkedIn. We're on Facebook, uh, YouTube, as we said, every podcasting thing, Spotify, mm-hmm. iTunes, whatever it's called these days, Apple Podcasts, I think it is. Apple Podcasts, um, yeah. Stitcher. Stitcher. All what's those that? things. Yeah, a, what's that? Radio, TuneIn Radio. Yeah. Um, we've got our own website, Fergo on the Freak. Is it FergoOnTheFreak.com? Yep. There you go. Get over there. Check that out. Um, God, we, we're giving you a fair bit of homework, people. Um, yeah, <laughs> and you, you need you need to do it because there'll be a test at the end of the week. It's not and like if, you're going to be doing anything else. You're going to be stuck at home doing fuck yeah. all. So yeah, you might as wiping, well help. wiping wiping yeah. your ass with my toilet paper. Yeah, that I didn't get to get. Drinking my cherry coke, bastards. Um, really? Our listeners are <laughs> selfish. <laughs> we're not really helping the cause though are we no no we're not but there we go thanks for tuning in everyone you've been um the numbers on the show have been in, in just immensely recently so we must be doing something right or maybe just like the things that we do wrong who knows one of the dudes just people who want to listen to our mistakes yeah that's good because we make a few every now and then yeah, it must be what the Bulldogs feel like when they get fans at their games. <laughs> I, I won't lie, I was getting a little nervous then as to where you were going to go with that one. No, I did, no. I didn't intercept it. I was wondering where that was going to go. Is there any club in the history of planet Earth that has ever been more thankful for a fucking planet-wide pandemic than the Canterbury Bulldogs? Yeah, they're probably thinking, geez, this could have happened about 15 or 16 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. All right. 
on that note, people, thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you next time.